Hi, everyone. I'm Jill Smokler, and I've got issues. I've got a ton of issues, actually, and I'm pretty sure you do, too. And I'm definitely sure we'll both feel better after talking about them. And that's what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Well, it's finally arrived. This is the week that Lily heads off to college. She is officially the last of her friends to leave for school. Everyone else left between three weeks ago to a week ago. And it's, as you can imagine, been really pleasant on the home front to be all alone. So I think she's really ready to leave. She's doing all of her last minute packing and shopping and just getting everything ready. But I think by the time by the time we leave in a few days, she will be very ready to depart. Some of you may remember Lily back from my early days of vlogging. When I first started out, she was almost four years old and the big sister to an almost two-year-old and a newborn. And I wrote about everything she did, her art projects, her learning how to ride a bike, her birthday parties, her first day of kindergarten, just all of the things. And it's really hard to believe that that was 14 years ago. And if your kids were little, when my kids were little, chances are that we are in the same phase of life now, which is really unfamiliar. And I'm navigating, not that I was ever navigating clear waters, but this feels like navigating like a massive, treacherous hurricane with no life jacket and, you know, nothing to help. Um, So fortunately, I love that I have all of these resources from Scary Mommy and from blogging, and I was lucky enough to call one in. Lisa Heffernan is the founder of Grown and Flown. Grown and Flown, in case you are not familiar, is the destination for parents of high school and college-aged kids. Their website spawned a Facebook page, which is among the most active on the platform, like literally among the most active active. That's crazy. A book and a college admissions membership. Lisa is also the mother of three young adult sons and medals in their life whenever she can. Lisa and I started talking about my fears about the first few days and weeks of dropping Lily off, and I asked her what I could expect. Well, the first few days, I pretended that my kids were away visiting friends or at camp. So I, I can suggest okay, delusion. I can do that. <laughs> As a coping strategy. (laughs) But at some point, it will become very clear that she's really gone off to college. Um, A couple things. It's really important you figure out and navigate with each other how you're going to communicate and when you can communicate. This can become a really difficult and painful thing for parents when they're hoping for regular communication with their kids, maybe daily calls or every other daily calls. And the student's like, yeah, call my mom on the weekend. Um, So just navigating that sometimes ahead of time saying, do you want to FaceTime? Do you want to call? If I text you every day, is that going to feel like too much? At the beginning, I'm going to want to check in. Um, one of the things that research tells us, there's a longitudinal study that UCLA has done for the last 50 years on college students, on college freshmen, actually, is that most college freshmen are homesick. 
It happens. It's common. It's over 60%. It's not the exception. It's the rule. So setting your teenager up by saying, you may well feel homesick. You may well, you know, you're leaving everyone you've ever known and loved, your siblings, the dog, everybody. And your um, mom is pretty awesome and you're going to miss exactly. her so much. Um, you By setting that up and saying, text me anytime, day or night, if you're feeling it, if you just need to say, you know, touch base with them. Remember when they were little and we took them on the playground and they ran off and then they ran back and they would touch your knee and then they'd run back oh, off yeah. and play again. It's a little like that. Sometimes they just need that little text or that two minute, three minute FaceTime just to touch mom's knee again and go, I know where I came from. I know the people who love mm-hmm. me and are behind me. Now I can go back off to my playground, which is which is college. So just making really clear to them that they may have some of those feelings and that you are here for those feelings. Um, but a lot of times we have to take our cues from them because some kids throw themselves into college and they are so happy and they are having such a great time and they don't want to talk every day. And we have to be cognizant of that as well. Happy medium between the two. Yes. And if they, if in the beginning they're doing a lot of texting and calling, that is just not a problem sign at all. Not at all. Often kids do that okay. because they're, they're really homesick and they really miss everything about you and, and their family. Um, and then for so many kids that fades, so many parents tell us that there's an uncomfortable feeling with the kids still about Thanksgiving sometimes for some kids. And then they go back and realize they actually belong. That feeling of going back to college and thinking, this is my college and I'm here and I have friends and I have connections, that often is all that they need to get over that homesickness. And then is that the time when if it's not the right fit, that's hitting them and it's becoming solidified and they start to figure out what are they going to do? Yeah. Luckily, most kids don't transfer. Most kids find their way and they okay. find their feet and they find their people. Um, and luckily also transfer applications Good. are due much later in the year. So I wouldn't really entertain that sort of thing unless there's a big problem. I mean, unless there's an obvious okay. you know, mismatch for some reason that can't be fixed. I wouldn't entertain that well into the spring, but that's okay because transfer applications okay. are due later. Okay. So if your kid is freaking out, don't freak out. No. They're probably just a little homesick. Yes. It's okay, Jill. Okay. (laughs) One thing I very much overlooked um, when I sent my oldest to college was how much of an impact this was going to have on his younger brothers. I was was all about me. (laughs) I was all about, I'm going to miss my boy. And I forgot how much his siblings who had never known life without him we're going to miss him. So sometimes it helps to be a little conscious of what's happening to your younger kids, a little less self-absorbed as this particular mom was. Yeah, I'm, I can be very self-absorbed, but that's something that I have been thinking about and we've been talking about a ton because Lily has been, she has a boyfriend and you know Jeff and I aren't together. So she is in and out quite often. So it's not infrequent that it's just the boys and I, so we can sort of have a preview of a little bit of what it'll be like. Um, and it's it's strange having sort having been present for so much of their relationship their whole lives to imagine that I won't be, you know, I hope that they'll maintain what they have and that they'll be texting consistently and and everything. But it's weird. It's weird that I won't be there to nag them to include each other. And it will probably be better. And I, I hope that it strengthens their relationship. Um, but it's it's weird to think that I won't be a part of that dynamic anymore. And I won't, again, assuming that she doesn't move back home. Well, it's very much the first step on the road to their lifelong relationship. So the thing that 
really strikes us is that our relationship with our adult children, that's the long relationship. The 18 years as intense and wonderful Mm -hmm. and precious and everything they are, it's the 18 to forever. That's a really long time. So we're starting our adult to adult relationship and they're starting theirs. Now theirs is because your daughter is becoming an adult and perhaps your younger children aren't quite there yet. It's an adult in training with, with maybe a teenager, but, yeah. but still they are establishing something that we all hope will last them the rest of their lives. Um, so it's wonderful yes. to watch, even though it's, it's different and strange. It is so different and so strange. I miss, I miss little matching outfits and coordinated pictures <laughs> and <laughs> control. I miss that. Lily's school happens to be on the beach, and at the orientation, they talked about alcohol and drowning. And I was like, what? (laughs) That was something that hadn't even entered my radar as things to stress about at all whatsoever. Um, And it made me wonder what all of the other things are that hadn't even crossed my mind. And you seem like a perfect person to ask, what what are the things out of the ordinary that I should be thinking of that may not have have topped my list of things to stress about, <laughs> about sending my daughter off to college? So that that's a very, very scary thought. And one, my kids didn't go to school near water. So it's, it's my first time hearing that. And that would strike fear in any parent's I heart. I did not like that. Yeah. So um, I think what's really important to do is to have some really serious talks with them before they leave. Um, one of the things we do as parents before they leave is we, we focus on the things that we need to teach them to do. We focus on like laundry and food and, you know, things that they can call us for, things they can FaceTime us for, things they can look on YouTube. And my rule of thumb is if they can watch it on YouTube or they can call me about it, it's not urgent. What's urgent are those things that they may not call me when it's happening or we it's a conversation better had in person. So some of those things might be um, talking to them about sexual misconduct. As many of us know, this has been a problem on college campuses. The numbers are really frightening. Um, so mm-hmm. talking to daughters, and I'm going to stress here, sons as well, about mm-hmm. behavior, staying in groups, safety factors, you know, blue phones on campus, who to call, everything we know about keeping them safe. It's an important conversation to have before they leave. Again, you can teach them to do laundry when they're sitting in the laundry room. This is a conversation better had person to person. Drugs and alcohol, obviously huge, huge topics. Um, Honestly, I'm in the camp of scaring them. Um, Fentanyl is deadly. It's laced in all kinds of drugs. I don't think there's anything wrong with having your kids scared to use things because they think things could go wrong. To me, that's that's actually a pretty healthy approach, and we should be we should be frightened. The reason there's some research that shows that our kids drink less on the days they speak to us, even when we do not speak about alcohol, it's because their contact with us reminds them of the values that we brought them up with. So just having that contact with mm. them will remind them about the things that we have talked to them about, respecting people, drinking alcohol, using drugs, things like that. So staying close, having relevant conversations, reminding them of those things. I would talk about all of those things beforehand. 
I would talk about other people's drug and alcohol use. Because one of the scary things that happens to kids when they get older is they get put in a position where another student is incapacitated. They're 18 years old. Mm. They may never have seen this. They don't know what to do. So talking to them about who you call in a situation like that and when you call people into a situation like that, you know, in the moment, it's scary. And, and, you know, having had that conversation in the quiet of your home before they've even left is important know that the colleges will also be having these conversations. So it isn't all up to you. And then the other conversation I would have about them, and it ties a little bit back to what we were talking about homesickness is, is about mental health. If they've ever had any mental health challenges, and even if they haven't, I would have conversations about where they seek care, when they seek care, what are the signs in terms of that things aren't all right. So some of the things that psychologists tell us when their sleep is badly interrupted, when their eating is badly interrupted, mm-hmm. when they can't concentrate, things about when they're not themselves, have those conversations about if you encounter that, if you find yourself unable to eat, that's a cry for help. When you find yourself eating compulsively, that's a cry for help. When you're lying in bed and yeah. cannot sleep. So some of those conversations are really important to have before they leave home. Um, And it will help them and it will be an ongoing conversation, but start that conversation while they're still here. What can I expect the first time Lily comes back home, whether it's fall break or sometime in October or Thanksgiving? What is that visit going to be like? And will I want to tie her up and keep her home or will I want to push her out the door? Um, It can be a little bit of both. So two things often happen. I don't know whether Lily is what they call soiling the nest. I had one of my teenagers who did this. Yes. Yeah. They become so impossible that you want to kick them out yourself. Oftentimes when they come back home, that's gone because that's all about establishing that they're an adult and you need to stop telling them what to do and they're getting on with their adult life and, and the need to reject us. It's a lot easier to leave us when we're horrible. So at the point at which they've made us the evil enemy, the person who doesn't let them do whatever they want, you know, then it's easier to leave us and um, to go, even though leaving us is, is, is painful in its own way. So for many families, that soiling in the nest, horrible teenager who walked out of your house in August and September doesn't reappear. It, it's been solved. They've gone to college. They now know that they can do it. They oh now gosh. know they have a life in college and they don't need to reject you anymore. That having been said, and uh, they come back having gained some life skills from some YouTube life skills, also, maybe, and some sense of themselves as an adult. They know they can live without you. It's it's a little scary to think about whether you can live without your parents when you've never done it. Maybe you've gone to camp or some sort of away yeah. event, but that's yeah. not the same as having your life away from your parents. So now they've done it, and so that that gives them a certain amount of confidence. Um, if it's gone, particularly if it's gone well. But I will tell you, I'm going to tell you a tiny anecdote, um, which I wrote about, I think, for the New York Times. Um, One of my kids came home from college, walked into the entryway, dropped his dirty laundry, and his high school friends pulled in in the driveway behind him, picked him up, and he drove away. So he came home for Thanksgiving, (laughs) but all I got was the dirty laundry. I didn't even get him. (laughs) And he went to college three hours away from us. So it wasn't like we saw him all the time. He He was away away. So- 
they are going to prioritize their friends. They are going to prioritize the hamburger joint they love. They're going to prioritize a lot of things that they really miss. Honestly, I often felt like my kids missed the dog more than they missed us, but it's not true. It's not true. They really love and miss us, but just anticipate that when they come, that they will need time for other things in their lives. We wish they'd be with us and their siblings every minute. Not going to happen. I am putting together a basket for Lily of everything I can possibly think of in case of emergency from lint brush to, um, you know, a little stain remover to morning after pill to emergency chocolate. Is there anything vital that I might not have thought of that's like in the middle of the night or, or, you know, something college emergency, you know, just random things that I might not be in the top of my head. Um, I would add condoms th- to that, even if it's a daughter. Um, I think oh, every shoot, that's right. I think every college student should go to school with condoms. Um, we want to uh, prevent the spread of sexually transmitted diseases, and we obviously want to prevent unwanted pregnancy. So um, that is certainly important for boys to be given, and for girls to be given, and for us to be giving them the message that um, we want to prevent both of those things. One really important thing, and you're, I assume you're including in there um, things for colds and coughs and you know illnesses that, mm. that that students, minor illnesses that students contract. Obviously, if there's anything major, they go straight to the um, infirmary in school. One of the mistakes that parents often make is we don't actually teach them how to use these things and when to use them. Throughout their life, they've gotten mm. a sore throat and we've handed them X and they've gotten their stepped up nose and they've, we've handed them Y. And we've been sort of the, um, we've been their pharmacist. We've been their personal pharmacist. Now they're going right. to need to do it themselves. So have a talk about when and how we use each of these things and how we don't take this more than every eight hours and how this one works for X, Y, and Z. Do a little, um, make them their own pharmacist. Um, do a little teaching them about how and when we use various things that you're going to send along with them because um, they may not know that. That is that is such a good point. I never would have thought of that. And my kids just, they have no idea. I shudder to think of what they would do with a pill bottle if I didn't actually dole out the two pills individually to them. Well, Jill, this is not theoretical. That. This is not theoretical. I sent, one of my kids got sick and he bought some of these multi-symptom cold remedies and one said cough and runny nose, and the other said sore throat. And he takes both of them, and he calls me. He says, "Mom, I feel high." Oh God! And I and I said, "Read me the <laughs> ingredients on the packages, hun." And so, of course, once he read me the ingredients, he had double dosed what he should have been taking. Oh God! Um, so the multi symptom ingredient things are actually kind of confusing and dangerous um, because they don't know when to take what of them. So, um, you know, giving them some lessons on when you take what is super important. Fantastic. That is great. Okay. I have some questions from our community and they're questions that I also really am interested in. So is it okay if we dive into them? Love to. Here goes. Okay. The first one is all of my son's friends are going to college and he's decided to go to trade school. My husband and I support him completely, but can't help but feel judged by our friends and family that it's not a good enough choice. Any thoughts? I have thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, that's 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 difficult um, because kids deserve the respect for whatever choices they've made in life, whether they're just 
starting work or whether they're trust this person is furthering their education this this young man or woman is furthering their education just in a different avenue they're bettering themselves they're increasing their human capital they're making them more selves more valuable in the workplace i think you might need to confront people on that and say you know this is a way to create a useful well compensated career and i respect what your kids are doing and you need to respect what my kids are doing um, we all as a society need to bring more respect to kids who go into trades um, because it is, it's a wonderful path for so many kids. Um, and it's a unbelievably stable, you know, lucrative um, journey for them. So we need to embrace that and we need to celebrate that. And so I think just reminding people that I'm here to celebrate your kid and you need to celebrate mine as well. Yeah. And I, I don't understand that. I mean, uh, no getting out of a four year school and having, you know, getting, not having the amount of student loans and debt and being able to start working sooner and an electrician. I mean, <laughs> I had to pay an electrician a couple of weeks ago and I know what that cost. Exactly. So it doesn't sound like such a bad choice to me. At exactly. All. And, so, and a lot of kids yeah. by 18 understand what would they'll find satisfying to them. So for some people, the notion of sitting yeah. in an office or working in a computer all day is living hell. That would not be a satisfying life. That would be an uncomfortable, you mm -hmm. know, painful life. So to know yourself and find the thing that would interest you and, and satisfy you and, and bring you joy and usefulness in our society, that's a home run. The next question is from Melissa, who wants to know if she needs to hire a college counselor and I would love to hear about the details of this since we didn't go this route with Lily, but quickly have two boys who are approaching uh, the college admissions process. You do not need to hire a college counselor. No. And and they are extremely expensive. Um, but what is when you say extremely expensive, what does that look like? Different in different parts it of the seems country. It's very vague and I have no yeah. idea what that means. Like many things different in different parts of the country, anywhere from um, a couple thousand dollars to help you out to, you know, in excess of $10,000 to help you out. So, you know, if you're in New York City or San Francisco, okay. these things cost more. In other parts of the country, they're less expensive. You don't need to hire a college counselor. What you do need to do, I think, though, is become knowledgeable about the college process. Um, a big part of the college process is paying for college. And I have never met a 17-year-old with the capacity to make a $250,000 decision, which is what you know college can cost for four years. So you need to be there for them in terms of figuring out how your family is going to pay for college, what the various options are in terms of merit aid, scholarships, um, need-based aid, depending on what, um, what works for your family. You're going to need to fill out the FAFSA or at the very minimum help them, but most parents fill that out themselves. And then- mm -hmm. It's a large, complicated process with a lot of moving parts. If your student is applying for to five, six, seven colleges, eight colleges, it's a lot of moving parts with different due dates, perhaps a decision about early action, early admissions. They don't yet know how you make a complex decision with a lot of different deadlines and a lot of different things that need to be in, scores and perhaps mm -hmm. and grades and essays and applications. So I always felt that this is like, a moment to do some of our best parenting because these are adult skills. 
These are things you need on the job. These are things that we need as adults. We always have large, complex decisions with lots of different inputs and deadlines and things we have to do. So this is a great chance to teach them how you organize a process like that, how you figure out things that aren't apples to apples, um, and how you figure out what's best and listen to yourself about what's best for you, not what's best for the kids you hang out with and, and the input from others. So I don't think you need a college counselor. I think it can be useful to get some college expertise. That's not the same thing. As you mentioned, we have a membership at Grown and Flown. It's $27 a month. So it's not the cost of a college counselor. And families work with college counselors in, in a large group setting and get answers to their questions. You can, your school counselor is probably very knowledgeable. She or he may be short on time, but they are probably very knowledgeable. So you may need to be asked some questions. You can also ask questions of, of the college admissions officers. Particularly if it's about money, they will answer parents' questions. The websites are full of information. So while I don't think you need to hire an expert, and I'm not denigrating it because they're fantastic and they can help you, and if it's affordable, I'm, I'm not arguing against it. But for most families, it's not affordable. But you as a parent, for most kids, can't completely keep your hands off and just let them do it. Um, it, they, they, they need our help and our guidance. That doesn't mean you do it for them. That doesn't mean you tell them where to go. That doesn't mean you fill out the application and you certainly do not write their essays. But it does mean that you are knowledgeable of what's going on at which stage of the process and what they're getting done and what they still have to get done. And, and particularly around the finance piece, you, take, you probably take a little larger role there. And what about test prep? whether they're taking the SATs, the ACTs, yeah. how much so, how much prep yeah. do you need to... This has become an interesting question because so many schools are test optional. So let's start with the fact that your kid mm -hmm. may not even need test scores. Um, some state systems mm -hmm. are still requiring them. Some state systems like California will not even accept them. Even if you send them, they won't look at them. So the first thing to do is for your kid oh, wow. to develop the list of colleges that interest them and then for you both to look really closely, do you have any schools that are requiring tests? Because if you have test schools on that list that are still requiring tests, obviously you have to take the test. If none of them require it, you might want to prepare for it and take it because it might be an, you know, a net plus on your application. But know that it doesn't need the kind of intensive um, focus perhaps that it did if, if some of the schools require it. In terms of preparing for it, there is a huge range of what kids can do. So there are tons of excellent free resources on the internet like Khan Academy, where kids can work through practice tests and it knows what they're doing poorly and it gives them more of the questions that they need and fewer of the questions that they're doing well. So there are free resources that are fantastic. They're paid. You can go to various organizations and paid to do group sessions. So your kid may be in with a group of six or eight other kids who are at the exact same point. They may have an instructor working with them. That's much less expensive. And then the most expensive option is obviously individual test prep one-on-one -on -one with your student. This is a question largely to do with what a family's finances can stretch to and how important mm -hmm. the test result is going to be. If your student is applying to a bunch of schools that don't require tests, you may need, not need to put the same amount of work in because you may not be submitting a test score. So you're going to have to do some research before you even decide. And then there's options from free to very expensive. And I'm assuming if there are two kids who have the exact same application and one submitted scores and one didn't, that submission is certainly going to look more appealing since you know what the score 
is or is that I not? I don't know. This is, I, I mean, it's such a I hard, think it's such early days. It's we, all second guessing. And it's such yeah. early days. Um, this is actually probably going to be the first group of kids who are applying test optional where they actually could have taken the test. The last two groups of kids, mm-hmm. schools were shut, tests were canceled. You know, they, they had a lot of trouble actually getting a sitting for a test. So I think we don't know the answer to that question yet. It'll be interesting to see these incoming students mixing with the students who've been there for the last year or two, who were the feral freshmen, as Allison Slater-Tate um, <laughs> illuminated me to several months ago. Um, that'll be an interesting mix of, of students. Yeah, I think all of these kids we'll in, that, in yeah. all of these years where the kids' high school years particularly were impacted by COVID, even kids whose middle school were impacted, but particularly kids who were high schools, you know, there is, you, you know, you've been through these four years. There is an amount of growing up, maturation, change that happens in each of these years. And kids miss some of these steps. So there's, mm-hmm. they're impacted. It's not to say that they're not going to have an amazing college experience. It's not going to say that they're not going to catch up. But they were impacted by these years where they didn't have the normal socialization that we would hope for for kids this age. Um, And hopefully that doesn't happen again. Yeah, let's hope. I'd love to just back up a little bit. We jumped in so quickly that I didn't have a chance to talk much about Grown and Flown, the amazing community that you built. Um, What do you think the magic is about the community? Because it's so active. It is so engaged. It is just such a refreshing place on the internet to go. How did you do it? Um, I don't know. (laughs) You know, lightning doesn't strike twice in a bottle or something. (laughs) I don't know exactly how we did it. I'll tell you the two things that I- Tell me about it, Lisa. (laughs) I'll tell you the two things that I think are most magical (laughs) about it. Um, One is we have parents of every background. And I mean this in every sense of that word, geography, income, you know, race, religion, every background you can think of, cultural backgrounds, everything. And they are all in one place. I promise you, as somebody who lets them in, their politics span the political spectrum from the furthest right to the furthest left or the furthest left to the furthest right. Yet they are all in there remembering that there is one thing that they care about more than anything, and that is raising happy, healthy, thriving young adults. That's everybody's goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a wonderful thing because I feel like it's a place where people who normally wouldn't have any contact with each other are deeply involved in conversation, important conversations, meaningful conversations, also silly, trite, funny, just joyful conversations. So that to me is the thing that makes me the happiest is it's a place where we can encounter people who aren't like us and we listen to them. So that's fantastic. The real value for so many people, I think, is that they're going through things in their lives and they don't know anybody in their real life who's experienced what they're experiencing. And it could be anything from an acutely homesick college student, like we were just talking about, to a young adult who's looking to transition, to a kid who's just had a DUI, to, you know, we have um, parents come in with very young teenagers, not very young teenagers, younger teenagers who find themselves um, starting a family before they were ready. So any kind of situation you can imagine, 
you might either you might not know somebody in your real life who's experienced that, or you might not have anybody in your real life who's talking about that. And you come in and you bring your situation to the group and you are surrounded by parents who have gone through exactly what you're going through. Either they're having it right now or they just had it. And they bring you love and support and advice and sometimes practical advice, like really how-tos and websites you should go to and all sorts of wonderful things. So I feel like that is an invaluable resource because we can't always find things in our real life that we need, but in our online communities, they might be there. Well, and what you do such a beautiful job with, and I'm sure it's not as as sunshine and unicorns as it seems, but it is so supportive and so warm and loving. And I know it scary mommy, it was a ton of work to keep things copacetic and especially with women and with women and politics from every end of the spectrum. And I really admire how much effort you must put into keeping it such a positive environment because it is just such a wonderful place to be. And some of my, some of my favorite posts are just the prom dresses and, you know, the, the braggy pictures and just the effusive reactions. It's just so heartwarming and sweet and positive and wonderful. It just makes me so happy. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, there's a team of eight of us. So this, I am one of eight um, who are involved in this and it takes all of us all hands on deck all the time to, to, when people are unkind, we have to make sure that that doesn't um, that doesn't stay in the group. But the fact that we can celebrate each other's kids, like you and I were just talking about, with a kid who knows where they're going, they know what's the right path for them. We want to celebrate that, whatever it is. Um, we're looking for young adults who are happy and thriving. That's what we're looking for. That's everybody's goal, and each kid needs to find it in their own way. Yeah. And your tagline, I believe, is "Parenting never ends." Um, is that right? That is. <laughs> Which um, <laughs> my kids don't know that <laughs> is. <laughs> I think my mother knows it very, very well. <laughs> She's hi, mom, um, and I think that really just sums it up. Um, it just it never ends, and I'm very grateful to you and to Mary Dell and your team of eight that. I have you to hold my hands for this next chapter. You know, Jill, one of the reasons why it's scary when we send our kids off is because we remember leaving ourselves. And I'm going to guess that you called your parents once a week in a like regularly scheduled call. Yes. Because it was my parents, I had to call them before eight in the morning because the rates went up. Like, what? I was a college student. Oh, I think mine was every like Sunday night. Exactly. Because the rates were lower. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when our kids start to leave for college, we start to remember that. And we feel like, oh my God, like I can't talk to this kid once a week and just like get a little check-in. Like that's, that's a terrifying thing. One of the most popular pieces I ever wrote for Grown and Flown is called Knowing My Sons a Little Less. And when I realized the scariest thing about my kids going to college was that I was going to know my sons a little less. And that was not a good feeling. I did not want to know them any less. I wanted to know them as much or more. So I think what's important to remind ourselves, and this is to go back to your discussion about our tagline, that is not how they are leaving for college. That is not their world. First of all, they can text, they can FaceTime, they can Snapchat us, they can 
IG, there's a million ways they can and will contact with us. And particularly with children who may not be as communicative, the, all these electronic ways of sending them a picture. Remember one of my kids sending me a picture, like he's waiting in line at 2 a.m. for pizza. Just like, well, this is what I'm doing. He wouldn't have called me and told me that, but you know, you get the little, yeah. the little snippet. So Proof of life. Exactly. So our contact with them is going to be so much more all-encompassing than it ever was with our own parents. And they are a different generation. They view us differently. They want to be in our lives more. They want our advice more. They come to us for so many things that we didn't come to our own parents for. Um, so it's not going to, the experience that we think we're going to experience when our kids leave it is not that at all. What, what our own history tells us is not going to play out with our own kids. Um, and that's why we say parenting never ends. And with that, I am going to go put the 14th load of laundry in the dryer because that is parenting. (laughs) Thank you so much to Lisa for joining me today. You can follow Grown and Flown at their website, Instagram, or and or Facebook. You can also follow She's Got Issues on Instagram at She's Got Issues Media or check out our website for more information. She's Got Issues is produced by Gwen Sound, Kira Shine, and me, Jill Smokler. We would love it and be so appreciative if you rated or reviewed the podcast. And please tell a friend because she's got issues too.